0: Fire in the Mountains, Chapter 4, Part 2. Shota lost track of what happened after that. Ida took him inside, and he just barely managed to make his feet work so Ida wasn't dragging him along. And at some point, Shota became aware that Ida was following a woman. This way, babies, this way, she was saying brightly. Shoto rolled his head a little and saw someone flouncing along in front of them. And then Mina was at his side, slipping herself under his free arm. And she and Ida really did carry him then. You're gonna scrape his feet up! Shoto heard Kotsky say furiously behind him. He's too tall. Kiri, go be Mina. Fuck you. Stop worrying about me. Shoto heard himself hiss, gravel in his voice. His internal filter was just gone, burned up like so much ash. Mina let him go. Kiri took her place, and Shoto's feet left the ground. I'll need your help, Kotsky grumbled. He nearly incinerated you, Blasty! Mina countered back. No one can see. Shut up and let me help you. I can walk. You've got a broken ankle, you dumbass. (laughs) Shoto barked. My lord, Ida said totally scandalized. Shoto didn't care. He was thinking back to the fight, trying to pinpoint. He had turned the ground to ice. Koski had gone down hard and then flung himself up into the air. It must have happened then, or maybe just before. Maybe that's why the ice had tripped him. It didn't matter. Shoto was just satisfied he wasn't the one with broken bones. Oh, an ankle! Perfect! I can test a healing baby! Mina, don't you let that freak show touch me. Kotsky said very seriously. Give me one of your potions. I don't have any made, Mina said. I didn't think you two would actually try to cremate each other during Shoto's welcoming celebration. Shoto, give me your potion. Mina can make you another. I'd sooner gift it to my father. Shoto hissed, which, in his head, was quite the insult, but he could tell it didn't really land the way he wanted to because Katsuki just hissed, "Fucking daddy's boy.'" Shoto was dragged into an unfamiliar but very large room and deposited by Ida and Kiri on a high, table-like bed pressed up against a wall. Shoto sagged backwards and then groaned in annoyance because Katsuki was placed beside him, and Shoto truly couldn't escape, could he? "'Let's see, let's see,' the unfamiliar woman was saying. Shoto blinked his bleary eyes to focus on her. She had hair the same color as Mina's, which was strange by itself, and hers was knotted into thick, shoulder-length ropes. She wore a pair of thick lenses on her head, and as soon as they entered the room, she threw off her cloak and stood around in a pair of tight breeches and a half-tunic with no sleeves and cut off just below her breasts. Shodo would never understand barbarian fashion. Ida, Kiri, Mina, and Denki, who had helped Mina support Katsuki, but who had a very blank, vacant smile on his face and wasn't saying much. All hovered around, staring at Shoto and Gotski. Shoto could smell burnt hair and skin and leather. Sweat. Aha! The strange woman said suddenly and she popped up from a pile of inscrutable refuge, holding a crystal clear piece of glass at the end of a long stick. Fuck is that? Kotsky demanded. You fuck right off with that, May. Oh, relax, dear king, she said, waving her hand. It's a healing spell saved up in a glass. How'd you do that? Kiri asked curiously. Well, and May launched into the most detailed and convoluted spell theory Shoto had ever heard in his life. And he actually had quite a bit of magical theory knowledge to his name, but the problem is the glass. May was saying it degrades if the magic in it is stronger than the glass. To, the magic used to make the glass, and since this spell was created by, don't, Kotski said warningly. Uh, ah, right. This glass dinky made so it seems to be holding up but we'll see if the spell has degraded at all King Kotsky, if I may you may not Kotsky said sharply Mina sidled up beside him and slapped his ankle then and after he howled in pain he consented to be the test subject of May's spell in a bottle It healed his ankle, but not much else. May frowned quizzically. Hmm. Well, it was a rather severe break, but really, I'd expect Ocha No! Kotsky yelled furiously. Uh, spells, May went on, to take care of most of your superficial injuries as well. After that, May took inventory. You have frostbite, she told Shodo in interest, looking at the tips of his fingers and his toes in his ruined boots. Shodo knew the parts of him that weren't so frostbitten, they were just burning were and were absolutely freezing, and the parts of him that actually were burned were just very confusing. Facial fracture broken nose she listed when she tapped Shoto's cheek and a spear of pain shot through his head. He realized he'd been watching everyone through one eye and hadn't even noticed. The other was swollen shut. May's hands moved down over his chest and she said mm, a rib or two as well. You took a pounding, didn't you, Prince? Kotsky snickered. How's that ankle? Shoto snapped. Fine now, mostly. Kotsky said a little sulkily. Burn, burn, another burn, a scrape, and more burns, 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 May sung. Well, I know just how to fix you. Now, let's see your damage, my king. Kotsky didn't have any more broken bones. May said she was fairly certain his ribs were just bruised, but he had just as many burns as Shoto. When Shoto looked sideways, he was surprised to find both of Kotsky's hands in just as bad, if not worse, shape than Shoto's. May's solution for all of this was to stick them both in a bathtub. (coughs) Kotsky's back bathtub, to be exact. Of course, of course, this was what happened. They yanked Shoto out of his clothes, completely ignoring his protests, and he still couldn't really control his body well enough to fight back. All his magic was just gone. Kotsky bellowed and raged, too, about how he could undress himself, He didn't need help. He was fine. And then Ida and Kiri were, under May's instructions, carefully lowering Shoto into the water, which smelled differently than it usually did and was much darker. Koski climbed in a moment later, one hand on Mina's arm. Dinky started taking off his tunic, and Mina and Kiri both grabbed him. No, 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 you don't, you idiot. Not you. And they pulled him out of the room. May looked like she intended to stay, but then Mina grabbed her by the back of the tunic, and suddenly Shoto and Katsuki were all alone. Again. Why did this keep happening? Shoto was hurting too badly to really think about it. The hot water was too hot on his burns, and it felt boiling on his frostbite. Kotski had been holding his hands above the water just like Shoto was, and Shoto watched him grimace and put his hands under the bubbles, only making a tiny hiss when he did it. You should, he muttered, voice tight. Shoto glared at him. Oh, fuck, it'll help. Shoto actually choked in pain when he did it, squeezing his eyes shut so hard it hurt. But Kotsky was right. After the first horrible spike of agony, it all tapered off. May had poured something, several somethings, into the water with them. Whatever it was, it was helping. (laughs) You've never done this before. Kotsky said a little smugly. Shoto did notice, however, the way the gravel in his voice seemed softer somehow. His words slurred a little, and he sunk lower into the water. And then Shoto felt it too. A wave of exhaustion and relief at the dwindling pain so powerful it made the room go a little blurry. Done what? Go all out? Kosky said. You don't know how to pace yourself. Shoto tried to glare, but it didn't work. So instead, he experimentally dunked his face in the water. He got watery oil up his nose, but then he threw his head back against the rim of the tub. His face actually felt numb. There was still the bone-deep ache around his eye, but his skin didn't feel like it was flaking off anymore. <laughs> we could work on that. Kotsky said. Fuck, he sounded drunk. Work on... I'll help. I'll help you, we can. I don't need your help, Kotsky Shoto grit out. I don't want anything from you. I hate... Hate you. Shoto stared at the ceiling, and Kotsky was very quiet for a long time. I don't hate you. Shoto lifted his head. He wasn't he hadn't really asked if Kotsky but feel bad for you. Kotsky slurred. He was staring at the ceiling, too, just like Shoto had been. thought you were spoiled, but you were really just caged, weren't you? The shock of it almost made Shoto try to climb out of the tub, but his body felt like molten rock. Like if he tried to move at all, he would just flow apart in the warm water like slow goop. Yeah, Katsuki sighed. Got you figured out now, pretty boy. You don't know me, Shoto told him, hating how hoarse, how broken his voice sounded. Sure do. Know a man after a fight like that. Couldn't win if I didn't. No. Uh-huh. You may look like a Flatlander, you may talk like one and stick your pretty prissy nose up like one, but you've got Outland in your guts, Prince. Never seen anyone who fights like you, Shoto said, just so Kotsky would stop talking and saying what he was saying. Kotsky shrugged his shoulder without lifting his head. Shoto dropped his head back, too. I'm the best, Kotsky said. He said it as if it was a fact, not like he was bragging, not even like he was burdened. He was just... was. Best chance we've got. What do you mean? Shoto demanded with a slur. There are six major outland tribes, Kothki said slowly, and dozens and dozens of smaller tribes and villages all over these mountains. We've been killing each other for centuries, creating new alliances and breaking them, tearing land and food from each other's hands, and and maybe it didn't matter because you flatlanders were too scared of the mountains to come close, but... My mother's father started a war, Shoto said quietly. Walked all over our stones and claimed they were his now, Kotsky said. Killed people for trespassing in their own villages. Angie is no better. Shoto muttered. Nah, course not. But see, He never had no one to negotiate with before, see? Before it was just all the tribes. Arguing and fighting, killing each other. Made it real easy for your people to come and do the same thing. And you think you'll do any better? Shoto demanded. Like you didn't gather up all your power and trial by combat? I'm the chief of all six tribes," Koski said. "And a few dozen, few dozen villages—not counting the ones that pledged alliance without fighting." "Conqueror," Shoto whispered. "Maybe, but if your father keeps his word, our border and the village with all the villages along it are safe now." He paused, and the water sloshed as he readjusted himself. All six of my tribes are trading peacefully. We've developed actual roads between the major villages, not just dirt paths anymore. And this castle, my fortress, every single villager within a five days ride can fit inside with food and supplies to support them. Shoto lifted his head. For how long? Whole winter if we gotta. And Shoto blinked. Inji was, by all accounts, a strong king. Strong enough that the people who didn't know him and who lived outside the influence of the capital and the fighting actually thought he was a good king. But even he couldn't protect the capital under siege for more than a few weeks. Outlands never had that, Kotsky said. How long did it take? Shoto asked, a little shocked. Kotsky shrugged. "Mm, Almost ten years. Started right after I claimed the Stormbreakers. They were the last to bow to me. Ten years. He looked so young. Kotsky? Hmm? How old are you exactly? Kotsky lifted his head. Hmm, 28. How long did it take to. How did you become chief of all six tribes? <sighs> that was the easy part, Kotsky said, rolling his eyes. Only took two years. And that was mostly just for travel. You did all of that by yourself? Shoto mused. Nah, Kotsky said. I had help. Uh. And then the strangest thing happened. Kotsky blushed. A friend, he said quietly. A boy I grew up with he helped who no one Kotsky said a little sadly looking away from him the one Kiri asked you about Shoto said a little too shrewdly Kotsky narrowed his eyes you fucking eavesdropping little shit and then yeah yeah Kiri asks about him sometimes. Where is he? Oh, my guess, Kotsky said. With his wife. For some reason, that made Shoto frown. Maybe it was the way Kotsky's voice was so bland when he said that, the way he seemed to strip it of any conceivable emotion at all. Kiri helped too, Kotsky said, and then he grinned got from place to place a lot faster after we met him. I like him, Shoto said with a sigh. He didn't mean to. He truly didn't. His brain felt all fuzzy, too relaxed, too empty, like his magic had drained away and there wasn't anything else that could fill the gaps. (laughs) Everybody likes Kirishima. Kotsky said with a little sigh of his own. He lives to make the people he loves happy. Don't think this would have happened without him. Shoto snorted because that admission didn't seem like something Kotsky would actually say. It seemed important that he had. He's got a way of making a man see the bigger picture, Kotsky said sleepily. What picture? Kratsky grinned without opening his eyes. I told you, becoming chief was the easy part, but I didn't much have any plans after that. Just wanted to win. Kiri and... Kiri showed me that there's not much point in having power if you don't use it to keep powerless people safe. Can't be the best if all you are is strong. You are nothing like I thought you'd be, Shoto said flatly. Every word Kotsky spoke seemed a paradox, an impossibility. Kings didn't speak this way. Kotsky laughed. <laughs> Probably was back then. Probably still am somewhere. Kiri and Mina and Denki don't know though. Shit, shit, shit. He really cared about them, didn't he? He really, truly loved them. I. How are we feeling now, babies? Shoto nearly leapt out of his skin when Mei came, charging back into the room, alone this time. And whatever Shoto had been about to say was lost to the bubbling water. That is the end of chapter 4. I hope you enjoyed. Next will be chapter 5. So yeah, look forward to that one. I hope you enjoyed.